Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cluster B personality disorders are characterized by dramatic, overly emotional, and unpredictable thoughts and behavior. From Ars Longa Media, this is Cluster B, scientifically informed, expert insights into the four Cluster B personality types, antisocial, borderline, narcissistic, and histrionic personality disorder. Here's today's host, Dr. Todd Grande. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks if I can take a look at histrionic personality disorder in detail, so a comprehensive review of the disorder. I'll refer to this disorder as HPD. So here I'll be looking at many elements, including the definition, the history, the etiology, comorbidity, and treatment. HPD features a pervasive pattern of excessive emotionality and attention-seeking behavior. It's an under-researched disorder that's not diagnosed very often, even when somebody meets the full criteria. We see that HPD is a cluster B personality disorder, so it's in the erratic, dramatic, and emotional cluster. That's the same cluster as antisocial, narcissistic, and borderline personality disorders. So let's take a look at the history of HPD. So HPD is one of the few current diagnostic classifications that derives from the conceptualization of hysteria. Other disorders that derive from hysteria include somatic symptom disorder, conversion disorder, and phobic anxiety. Now, when people think of the word hysteria, they often think of later conceptualizations, like the one that Freud used when he created psychoanalytic theory. But the concept that would later become hysteria was first written about in the year 1990 BC, so over 4,000 years ago. During this time, many conditions that afflicted women, like paralysis, choking, and mutism, were attributed to what was called wandering womb or wicked womb. The term hysteria wasn't used until about 400 BC, and the idea here was that the uterus became dry and would rise toward the throat searching for humidity, and this would interfere with breathing. So that's how hysteria was conceptualized. By the time we reach 400 AD, so about 800 years later, we see that hysteria was thought of by some as a manifestation of demonic possession. When we reach 1650 AD, we see some theories about hysteria were indicating that it was a disease of the brain. However, we still see this connection to the theory about the uterus. So the thinking about hysteria started to change a little bit. Now, at around 1850, we see a conceptualization of hysteria that would lay the foundation for histrionic personality disorder. The uterine origin of the disease 
was discarded in favor of what was referred to as a neurosis of the brain. Theories like this influenced Sigmund Freud. Hysteria was actually the first condition to draw his attention. His development of psychoanalytic theory led to another reconceptualization of hysteria. He also called this hysterical neurosis and hysterical character. He thought of hysteria as a lack of motherhood. It was caused by the inability to have a mature relationship. So essentially, an inability to fulfill one's sex drive. In the 1960s, we see the classification of hysterics. There were two groups here, hysterical personality and histrioid personality. Hysterical personality was the foundation for histrionic personality disorder, and histrioid or borderline personality was the foundation for borderline personality disorder. The idea at the time was that hysterical personality represented the good hysterics, those that function fairly well in society, and borderline personality represented the bad hysterics, individuals who had poor object relations and weak egos. In the first edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, DSM-1, which was published in 1952, there was no category for hysterical personality, although some of its features were evident in emotionally unstable personality. In DSM-2, we see hysterical personality disorder as a diagnosis. In DSM-3, it was replaced with the term histrionic, so that's the first time we saw histrionic personality disorder. It remained a classification in DSM-4, and we see during the preparation of DSM-5, there was a debate once again about the future of HPD. Research indicated that the prevalence of HPD in the population was only about 0.4%, and it was highly comorbid with borderline, narcissistic, antisocial, and dependent personality disorders. Low prevalence and high comorbidity with similar disorders is typically an indication that a diagnosis may be dropped from the DSM. One recommendation was to move the attention-seeking and exhibitionism features of HPD over to an exhibitionistic subtype of narcissistic personality disorder. Interestingly, research also indicated that evidence of hysteria in clinical practice had remained stable over time, so the classification was retained. Now moving to the definition of the disorder in the DSM we see that HPD has eight symptom criteria and five or more are required for a diagnosis. So the bar is set kind of high for this particular disorder, five of eight. So looking at these symptoms, symptom number one, uncomfortable when one is not the center of attention. So here we see someone who's lively, dramatic, clearly open to having discussions, talkative, the life of the party. If they're not getting enough attention, they may create a scene or they may make up a story. In clinical settings, we see they tend to bring gifts, flatter the clinician, detail dramatic descriptions of symptoms, and indicate that there are new symptoms each session. Moving to symptom number two, interactions with other people are characterized by inappropriate sexually seductive or provocative behavior. So this is not just toward a romantic interest. Rather, we see this behavior across many domains. So occupational, professional relationships, and other social settings. It's beyond what is appropriate for the social context. Symptom number three is rapidly shifting and shallow expression of emotions. Symptom four, using physical appearance to draw attention to oneself. So an outrageous hairstyle, wearing bright colors, wearing expensive clothes, 
Individuals with this disorder also tend to fish for compliments. Symptom number five, a style of speech that is excessively impressionistic. So when we talk about the word impressionistic, what we mean here is that somebody with this disorder is talking about a construct like they only have an impression of it. So their description lacks detail or precision. For example, if they're talking about a pleasant conversation they had with somebody else, they would not be able to provide any reason why the conversation was good. Symptom number six, self-dramatizing and theatrical behavior and an exaggerated expression of emotion. This particular symptom can be troublesome for friends of the individual. So if they tend to hug or kiss friends in public and kind of have an overly affectionate display, that can cause trouble with relationships. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Sign number seven, the individual is suggestible. So, Here we see individuals with this disorder do not seem to have a conviction to their values. Their values seem to be subject to change. They're highly susceptible to influence by authority figures. This is why some clinicians believe that individuals with this disorder are easier to work with, when actually it may be that the client is just agreeing with the clinician. Then we see symptom number eight, the last symptom criterion. They evaluate relationships as more intimate than they actually are. So they may refer to counselors by their first name. They may call every acquaintance their best friend or their dear friend. So essentially, they just make the assumption that they're really close to everybody, even when they're not. There are a few associated characteristics with this disorder. So these are characteristics that are connected to the disorder, but they're not part of the official symptom criteria. We see that in romantic relationships, individuals with this disorder tend to play the victim. They tend to be excitement-seeking. They're bored by usual routines. They're impulsive. When they work on a new project, their initial enthusiasm tends to fade, and they look for exciting new relationships, which can be a problem if they're in a current long-term relationship. Moving now to the etiology of the disorder. This means what contributes to the development of the disorder, what causes it. We don't know a lot about what causes histrionic personality disorder. We know that negative childhood experiences may play a part and overindulgence by parents could play a part. The prevalence in the population is somewhere between 0.4 and 1.8% and women tend to be diagnosed with this disorder more often than men. Now looking at comorbidity, this is how often the disorder co-occurs with other mental disorders. We see that HPD is highly comorbid with borderline narcissistic antisocial and dependent personality disorders. I mentioned that before. 
It's also highly comorbid with major depressive disorder, substance use disorder, and it has a fair level of comorbidity with somatic symptom disorder. Differential diagnoses for HPD, so these are disorders that may get confused with histrionic personality disorder. So if a clinician is trying to assess an individual, they may want to consider these other disorders as possibilities. We see that borderline is a common differential diagnosis. Borderline personality disorder can be distinguished from histrionic personality disorder, typically by looking at some of the elements that are present with borderline that we would not expect to see with histrionic, including anger, the tendency to self-harm, identity disturbance, and the chronic feeling of emptiness. We would only expect to see those, again, with borderline. Antisocial personality disorder is another differential diagnosis. Now, histrionic personality disorder is not characterized by antisocial behavior, and it features a more pronounced expression of emotions. Typically, somebody with histrionic personality disorder is not looking for material gain, but rather emotional gratification. Although we do see that both disorders have impulsiveness, manipulation, recklessness, excitement-seeking, and superficial charm. In terms of narcissistic personality disorder, these two can appear similar as well. We see that with HPD, the individual is willing to be seen as fragile to get attention. We would not expect to see that with narcissistic personality disorder. And with dependent personality disorder, the last differential diagnosis I'll cover here, we see that there are no exaggerated emotional features. So that's one area that differentiates dependent from histrionic. So now moving to the personality profile associated with HPD, I usually conceptualize personality using the five-factor model. I remember the five factors to the acronym OCEAN, openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. So looking at the profile for histrionic personality disorder, we see high openness to experience, low conscientiousness, so disorganized and non-productive, high extroversion, which makes sense given the high excitement-seeking we see with histrionic personality disorder, low agreeableness, although in the facets of trust and altruism, somebody with HPD would actually score high, and we see high neuroticism, although this neuroticism finding has been disputed in some research. So we really see mixed findings in terms of the neuroticism component. From a career perspective, looking at the personality here, we see that individuals with this disorder tend to do well at jobs like sales, but they perform poorly as managers. Sometimes they're thought of as idea people, right? So a lot of times in corporate settings, idea people really aren't strongly favored because there tend to be a lot of people with ideas and not a lot of people who want to complete actual projects. So sometimes individuals with HPD get labeled as idea people, and that's not really good for their career. They also tend to self-promote. They do a lot of talking and not much listening, and they tend to ignore criticism. Typically, we see an individual with this disorder confuses activity with productivity, something else that doesn't make them too popular in some work settings. Moving on to the treatment of histrionic personality disorder, we see this disorder, like all personality disorders, is considered somewhat treatment-resistant. CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, is a popular choice of counseling treatment modality, but again, there are mixed results in terms of success. There are three key problems that really stand out in terms of treating HPD. The first, we see a lot of boundary issues with HPD that can interfere with counseling. This is really not that dissimilar from what we see with borderline personality disorder. The second point, individuals with this disorder try to please the clinician 
and they know that the counselor wants them to improve. So they try to appear as if they have improved. So clinicians may believe a client is doing well when the client is not doing well. The third point, they often have a sudden deterioration as they approach the end of therapy. This is referred to as the termination effect of HPD. This has been mentioned a few times in the clinical literature, and this is something I've also seen in my clinical experience. This is a common event when working with an individual with HPD. Now moving to HPD's legitimacy as a disorder, right? So there are many arguments that HPD is not a legitimate disorder and it should be dropped from the DSM. I'll talk about three of the more compelling arguments here. The first argument, the behavior thought to characterize HPD does not hold together very well as a cluster, although some research indicates that it does hold together. If I'm to evaluate the literature that I've read on this, I'm inclined to agree at this point that the construct does not hold together very well. So I'm kind of moving in that direction right now. The second point, the overlap with borderline personality disorder is simply too much. For instance, we know that there are more individuals who have comorbid HPD and BPD than there are individuals who only have histrionic personality disorder. The third point, individuals with the disorder often show no reduction in quality of life or social functioning. So this is what we see in the research literature, this idea that, yes, it's a category and it may be legitimate, but it's not associated with dysfunction. On this point, I actually tend to disagree. This disorder is egocentric. So somebody doesn't recognize that their symptoms are not helpful or that they could lead to social dysfunction or other types of dysfunction. This lack of insight does result in difficulties, particularly in relationships. And in the context of relationships, sometimes we see a high risk of infidelity. Now, one could certainly argue that of all the 10 personality disorders, HPD is associated with the least amount of dysfunction. And I think that's a fairly good argument. But out of the 10 disorders, there has to be one associated with the most dysfunction and the least dysfunction. That automatically doesn't mean that histrionic personality disorder is not a valid classification. So with these three points in mind and the other points we see in the research literature, do I think that HPD should be retained as a diagnostic classification? Well, at this point, it's really hardly being used at all. Very little research is being done on it. For most clinicians, it doesn't really inform treatment. At the same time, its existence isn't really causing harm either. So the classification isn't really helping too many people, and it's not hurting anyone. It does have characteristics that need to be captured somewhere, right? So if it was to be abandoned, the characteristics need to go somewhere. To eliminate HPD, we'd have to change one or more of the other cluster B personality disorder definitions. And I'm not sure there's enough evidence available to support that that's a good idea, right? Making all those changes. This is the problem with having a lack of research on a personality construct. We don't know enough about the structure to figure out if it really should be a diagnostic classification. So my answer here to this question would be, we need more research. We need to figure out more about this histrionic personality construct to decide if it really should stay as a disorder. And we have to see how moving some of its features over to another disorder, like narcissistic personality disorder, would affect the validity of that construct, right? So there's a lot to keep in mind when debating the inclusion or exclusion of a diagnostic classification. Mm-hmm. 
For more content like this, check out Healthy Toxic, another podcast from Ars Longa Media, all about what makes or breaks relationships, including issues related to narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and how personality disorders affect relationships. Ars Longa, Vita Brevitz. Learn more at ArsLonga.media. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.